0: Hello everyone. Welcome to a very special episode. And when I say special, I mean I'm recording this at six o'clock in the morning, my time. And I wanted to do something special because of uh, we're on hiatus, as you as you may have as you may have noticed for the because of lack because of the lack of content I've put up lately. But to to uh, to remedy that, I thought I'd. Uh, bring in someone who a lot of people have been requesting me to to bring on the show, and that's Mike Pollock. So, Introduce yourself, good sir. Thank you
1: so much. I'm Mike Pollock. Thanks for having me. I'll pretend it's six (laughs) o'clock, too. Wow, it's (laughs) early. Okay. Yeah, that was fun. Uh So, yeah,
0: um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the voice of Dr. Eggman on the... uh, Sonic games. Among many other
1: things, but that tends to be the thing most people know me for, so that's fine.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that people bother you for. It's like, Mr. Paula, can you do Dr. Eggman for me?
1: That's about that. All right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, uh, first question is, like, how did you get into voice acting?
1: Uh, As a child, I would uh, watch cartoons and listen to the cartoons and listen to the radio and hear the wacky voices and think, I could do that. So every wacky character on cartoons and on the radio subtly influenced me, and I've always wanted to be on the radio, so I was on the radio for a while, being a disc jockey and realizing that's what I really liked better than, hey, it's 720, good morning, was doing the wacky characters in commercials and stuff. So eventually I started doing more characters and commercials, and then radio started to turn crappy, so I focused more on just voiceover stuff and commercials and animations and promos and narrations and Anything that needs a voice, I'll do. <laughs> so, if someone
0: came up to you and said they wanted you to voice a rock, would you do that? Sure,
1: as <laughs> long as they're willing to
0: pay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Doctor Rockman. Sure, that would have been that would have been interesting. Um, have, were you familiar with uh, the character? Of Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman before getting the role? Not specifically. I
1: had probably heard his name and knew vaguely that he existed, but I had no specific knowledge until uh, I was called into audition. And,
0: like, what did you, uh, like, in your mind, like, when you, when you heard, when you were looking, looking up the role, like, well, what, what, you, what did you uh, imagine his voice would sound like?
1: They basically gave me clips of Dean Bristow and said, match this. So I went home and went talking like Dean Bristow. Look, at him, Dean Bristow. Rah, 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 Dean Bristow. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> went in and gave my best Dean Bristow. And it took a couple of callbacks before Jacob decided, yeah, that's Dean Bristow enough for us. And,
0: uh you know, um God, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, like, out of it because, like I said, it's early and I'm not quick with my reflexes. Not a problem. Uh, yeah, but uh um you know being part of, of Son- the Sonic the Hedgehog uh game series and you know voicing such an iconic character that must uh that must uh, be something quite quite something for you, isn't it?
1: It's a great honor uh, and a, a great responsibility, I guess. But as far as being uh the a very small percentage of my workload, it is. It's maybe 1% of my workload. There's lots of other stuff that I'm doing that has nothing to do with Dr. Eggman or Sega. But the few hours a year that I spend recording Dr. Eggman are wonderful and tons of fun.
0: Okay, here's an interesting question. Because I read rumors that uh, Sega might be
1: rebooting
0: Sonic the Hedgehog in 2014. Now, this is just a rumor. This is not anything that's confirmed. I mean, this could be something made up entirely, but... uh, if they did reboot it and they said uh, we wanted to get new voice actors again would you audition for the role if if uh if uh you know given if you were given the opportunity lots
1: of people ask similar questions and my response is why would i turn down possible work <laughs> i love well, to work any opportunity to work is a good opportunity i'd rather just be offered a job outright but if i have to audition for a job and there's a chance to get the job. Sure. Yeah,
0: because it, something did happen where they did replace
1: all the previous voice actors, and you had to reaudition for the role. Uh, is that correct? That already happened uh, in 2010. Yes. So if I was lucky enough to be asked to audition again, sure I would. I don't. Know. And you know, was was it was, like was it weird auditioning for a role that you had already had? It's extremely weird because the first time I heard that they were looking for replacements was when I got a call for an audition. I said, I thought I'd been doing this, but okay, here's a recording of me doing exactly what I've been doing for the past several years. And apparently they decided, well, I guess that's still what we want, so come on in. So that was that. Because, the, you know,
0: um, there's been a lot of controversy about the vo- four kids'
1: voice actors over the years, and I think you were the only one that, ever, that was ever liked. <laughs> so. That doesn't seem to be the case, and that's also a great honor. Thanks for, thanks for liking me.
0: It's like yeah this game is bad but Mike Pollock man
1: that, that guy he's he's really good. I can't complain about love.
0: So uh what was um just to uh, move on to something else because I know you know you get a lot, asked a lot of sonic questions but uh How was, like, um, because I I know that you were recently in in a cat in Paris, and I was wondering, like, how did that come about?
1: Um, That was uh, done by uh, the folks at NYAB Post. I did one of my first anime gigs back in 2000, 2001. Uh, We did a a little anime OVA called Demon Fighter Kocho, and I played uh, Professor Kamo. And uh, the lovely and talented Michael Michelson Nicholas, who was directing and casting and basically the one-man operations center for NYB Post at the time, said, oh, you're good. We should have you come back and lots of other stuff. So he's been kind enough to cast me and stuff and have me audition for stuff over the years. And he called me in for an audition for this thing. And uh, I auditioned, and I had callbacks, and they decided they liked me for Mr. Baby. And I played Mr. Baby. So that was cool. And,
0: and how does it feel to be part... Uh of a movie that got nom- nominated for an Academy Award.
1: It would have been better if it was nominated after we had recorded stuff, but <laughs> it was nominated for the French uh, version, so that's okay. So I guess we're kind of still part of it. But yes, not, nothing that I did had anything to do with the Academy Award nomination.
0: But I'll take full well, but, but credit. Well, but it's still – it, no, it's still something
1: to brag about. Come yeah. I mean, come on. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, that's the closest thing you're ever going to get come well, to an Academy Award. It's extremely cool to be able to walk into a theater, sit down with a big bucket of popcorn, and hear myself on coming out of the big screen speakers. That's always yeah. cool.
0: And and how is, like, the, the process for that? Because it, the, the movie was already done and it was already in French and,
1: like, you uh, you had to match the lip movements of yep, the character. just like dubbing something on the small screen. Uh, you watch the video, you try and speak at the same time the lips are flapping, and then uh, the engineer, or in this case the lovely and talented Michael St. Nicholas, will stretch and squeeze and cut and insert and make things magically fit to where they belong.
0: Oh, Michael St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Venture from the Venture Brothers indeed
1: <laughs> such a nerd th- that I know that that's alright uh, <laughs> I'm sure he would appreciate that you knew that <laughs>
0: um, I know that you go to a lot well not a lot but like you do go to convention appearances for, for the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff and what, what's your what's your opinion on the fan base that, that come up to you and say you know I love this game and you're great in it and it was a lot of fun.
1: The fans are, fans are incredibly dedicated and, for some bizarre reason, uh, awed and honored to meet me, and that's unbelievably flattering, and it's a pleasure to meet people who are so devoted to something, and it's, uh, it's always nice to meet people. It's nice to have the opportunity to meet people. And, like, had you
0: I, – I don't know if this is a possibility, but, like, had you heard uh, – Robotniks or Eggmans, like previous voice actors in cartoons. And I mean, I know you heard Dean Bristow's uh, take on it, but but I'm wondering if you've heard any of the cartoons' uh, take on the character.
1: Over the years, I've stumbled upon the other voices and found the approaches interesting and unique. Not the choices I probably would have made, but that's the beauty of the business. Everyone's got their own approach.
0: Well, uh, to be fair, like, no disrespect to you, but honestly... Long John Bald- Baldry. He was, I think, in my opinion, the best uh, robotic. Like no, no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, come on. I mean, he was. Uh, he's very great. I mean, very over the top, very wacky, and he's just. He had um, a very crisp voice. <laughs> so, you know, but, but that's just me. Like, I mean, if 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 uh, you know, it's it's a matter of opinion that you know. If uh, you know one people like this Robotnik and one people like that Robotnik. I mean it doesn't matter. But to me, that's that's kind of what I grew up with, and and I've noticed a little bit of his uh, performance came in in, in uh, Sonic Unleashed because Sonic Unleashed was more wacky and goofy, and that was uh, that was uh, more of that. But I'm just rambling. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. Right.
1: You can't <laughs> please everyone. Into each his own. I understand having a fondness for the voices you grew up with i I have that too, when I see rebooted versions of childhood favorites, and that's the wrong voice, so it's completely understandable, but I didn't consciously base anything on any previous stuff because I haven't paid attention to the previous stuff for the for the exact reason that I don't want to start imitating previous previous stuff. I'd like to do my own my own interpretation
0: and um is this true? Was uh Eggman's voice based on uh Jiminy Glick?
1: Uh, the peaks and valleys of the delivery were, yes. So, uh, in the same way that Jimmy the Click would start way up high and then go way down low. That's when, especially in the early seasons of Sonic X, that's, that's what that was. Oh, yeah, in
0: Sonic X, um, what was uh, that like, dubbing an anime that was based on a game that was... Uh, that must have been quite something.
1: Yeah, well, it was. It's, it's the, the technical process is the same as dubbing anything else, but with the knowledge that hey, this is based on a big, big-time game franchise, it was just an extra, an extra ounce of cool. And I know you did other
0: voices for that show
1: as well. Hello, the maid, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty impressive. I think. Uh, it was the most hysterical yeah. bit of casting I've ever been involved with. Continu- and how did you get the role? Uh, we were in there the for the first uh, couple of episodes. And the topic of uh, Ella the Maid came up. The producer came in during one of the sessions and said, say, did we ever uh, get someone to play Ella the Maid? And uh, the director said, no. I said, let's have Mike try it, since I was standing right there. So they showed me a little bit of Ella, and I said, all right. Do something that's sort of uh, vaguely Latina. Okay, I guess I'm doing this. I'm doing Ella the Maid. Okay, great. I came in the next week for another session, and – Said, what happened to that L of the Maid thing? Oh, we already gave it to someone else. Okay, great. Came back the one more week later and they said, Well guess what? You're doing L of the Maid. And that was that. And I was El of the Maid ever since. And
0: you were the narrator in Pokemon, if I'm not mistaken. For a couple of
1: seasons, yes I was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also
0: good. uh... You do a lot of dubbing work, and and how like it's it's a lot it's a lot different than actually doing cartoons because like like you already said it's the animation is already done and you have to like match the lip movements and what the character's doing in that uh, scene is that a little is that a little challenging for you or is that like the same as any any other gig?
1: No, it's the same as any other gig. Once once you've gotten the idea of what lip flap matching is, and then it's like okay. So I'm watching the lip and like a ventriloquist trying trying to speak when the mouth is moving. Got it. And then
0: is that is that the same for the Sonic games? Because I know that they're done by uh, Japan, by Sega in Japan. Or so so I like, is the animation done already? And you have to
1: match the lip movements. The game is all done wild. The advantage to uh, to games is that they can since it's all being digitally created in real time, kind of sort of they can adjust stuff to me. So game stuff is usually all done wild. Um, if there's any animation at all, it's a rough animation, like for uh, Sonic 06, I believe, the much maligned Sonic 06. <laughs> oh, God. There was some rough animation done. There was actually no mouth movement happening, but there was like head movement. So I said, okay, that's kind of sort of what's happening. Great, I'll kind of sort of match to that. But in most cases, games are done completely wild, and then they do whatever lip adjustment they need to do for, based on the uh, track in question. Okay, since you brought it up,
0: let's talk about it, Sonic 06. Um, was it true that you had to tone down your performa- your performance as Dr. Eggman because of that game, because that was more of a serious
1: thing? I wasn't told that specifically, but having seen the animation and having read the dialogue and realizing that there was some heavy-duty violence going on, I said, all right, we're going to have to give this a slightly darker tone. Comedy's not going to work. So as an actor, I made the choice to darken the character. <laughs> Oh, this design was so terrible. I just show up and read a script. It's not my, it's not my job, job to have an opinion or approve anything. I'm there to <laughs> please the director. I'm there to earn my money by pleasing the director. So I give the director what the director wants, and everyone's happy. So am I.
0: And you were also in uh... – God I don't. I feel bad for bringing this up but you're also in
1: Ratatouille. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. I I have I have no regrets. I was quite good in it. If you take the, if you can stand watching the film you'll see that I play about a dozen little cameo characters and all of them are quite distinct and quite problem quite cleverly done if I do say so myself. I that's watched- the
0: problem that's the problem with the film it's like if if the animation was good this could have been watchable but the animation is just so bad.
1: Well sure. But, cheaply done because I was raised on, on radio, I, I don't care about the animation. I'm interested in the performance that I'm giving in the audio portion. So, the animation essentially is secondary. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, will, I will respect a beautifully animated show like the uh, not nearly popular enough uh, Viva Pinata, which was uh, lovely, uh, high quality, 3D quality CGI graphics, and it was beautiful and brightly colored, but the performances that I gave, I was quite pleased with them as a standalone thing. So it was fun to watch, but I enjoyed my performances just as much. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is.
0: Uh, You said you grew up listening to radio. What were your influences?
1: Uh, On radio, a uh, a genius uh, performer in the New York uh, radio market named Gene Clavin, who uh, basically did a whole stable of characters all by himself. So he would be constantly having conversations with himself on the air as... Trevor Traffic, the traffic guy, and uh, the chief engineer, and various other characters that would just wander in and out of the studio. Look on uh, YouTube for a couple of clips of him. He is, he is, and continues to be brilliant in my memory, and he was a, uh, a great influence to what I did. Um, and some other, some of the old classic old radio shows um, from the uh, '30s and '40s that would get replayed, just their cartoonish deliveries. I'll sometimes listen to a line that I'm giving and say, "Oh, that sounds like uh, the legendary Great Gildersleeve, which is a character that four people alive might remember these days, but I remember and I'm I'm doing that character."
0: And uh when you're doing like sound effects like getting hit and going oof, uh I mean is that is that kind of weird sitting in a booth and make and being
1: told to make sound effects. Yeah, the, or, the key thing is when you're doing that, you shouldn't be sitting because you've got to be moving your body to make it sound like you're getting hit in the chest. Very often, I will hit myself in the chest and go, oh! because there's a lot of... You've you got to make your uh, diaphragm react the same way. It would react if someone was punching you in the stomach. So basically, self-Heimlich maneuvering is very effective. for that. that Ouch. Thing. When I'm doing a fight scene, I'm throwing myself around the studio as much as possible well, and uh what was the most like
0: intense thing you ever recorded like where something you were so passionate about and you, it came out so good and you were so proud of yourself when when with the final product
1: i would I will have to say the labor of love that was jungle emperor leo uh controversial in itself being uh widely regarded as the inspiration for the Lion King, even though disney won't admit it but it was a sequel to uh, the uh, early 70s classic TV anime series, Kimba the White Lion. And it was, uh, they did a, a, a big motion picture version of it. And the fine folks at NYAV Post got the uh, deal to dub it and were kind enough to ca- cast me as Dr. Mustache. And as so many things at NYAV Post tend to be, it was a last-minute affair. So I got a call on a weekend or something saying, I got two days to dub this movie. Come in and do this. So I scrambled down to to the studio. We started at like 6 o'clock at night and finished up at maybe 2 in the morning. And as I recall, by the end of the night, I was so hot and sweaty that I had opened my shirt and was standing there in all my doughy, shirtless wonderness, um, dubbing the final scenes of this movie. And Sidney Nicholas, who was directing at the time, said, you want to quit now? We got, like, another uh, couple of scenes to say, no, we've gone this far. We're finishing this damn movie. So it went <laughs> till 2 in the morning. I left on a subway train with, like, four creepy people waiting at the station with music. Like, oh, this is great. This is delightfully safe. But I had an awesome uh, movie soundtrack in the can. It came out beautifully. It's still available on DVD. I heartily recommend it. I'm very proud of my performance in that. Well, there you go. This is how
0: much of a talented actor you are. I mean, if if someone comes up to you and says, "We need this dubbed in two minutes," he'll do
1: it. Yeah. In this case, it was a beautiful story, and it was there was some heavy duty acting going on. And I said, "Let's get this done." I'm in the zone. And uh, gotta you know wrap things up here. Um, anything else you want to go with before we we leave? Sure. If you want to know more, check in on my website, itsaMike dot com. Uh, same thing on Facebook it it's a mic, and Twitter it's a mic. Check in, say hi, that sort of thing.
0: So yeah, um, we got a few minutes left. So I want to do something special. I want to like, I don't know if you're up to this, but I want to do a little improv.
1: Have you have you done improv? I've done improv, <laughs> but keep in mind that my job is to role play for money, so improv is <laughs> free. Eh, maybe not. But let's see what you got. Um. Uh, okay. Um. Okay, I'm just thinking of something. Eggman
0: in a bar nah. something. Can't roleplay
1: the character <laughs> without Sega's permission.
0: Uh-huh. They own the
1: character. Okay. I just borrow. Well,
0: uh, <laughs> a elderly man having a conversation with a robot in in a bar.
1: Am I playing both roles? That's more challenging.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how good you are at doing like two 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 roles like. You
1: know, sort of like that. Uh <laughs> Well, this may not last very long, but let's see if we can at least do it briefly. Yeah, briefly. All right. Come on, let's do this. All right. Here's a joke. An old man and a robot walk into a bar, and the old man says, Say, can I buy you a drink? And the robot says... I do not imbibe, I do not imbibe, I do not imbibe. Thank you so much. Can I drive safely? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, before
0: I go, um, is is there anything else you, you'd you like to do other than voice act, like other other professions?
1: Um, nothing that I haven't already done before. I was a comedy writer for a while and I still dabble in that sort of thing. Uh, I was a song parodist for a uh, radio syndication outfit. I wrote some over a thousand song parodies uh, in my time and was quite good at it and occasionally still dabble in song parodies when the muse muse strikes me. Um, I wrote comedy bits and still occasionally write comedy bits. I have a celebrity death comedy blog, a celebrity death jam as it were uh, at the latest deadlines.blogspot.com and when uh, celebrities die, I'll... Hop on and make some wacky, distasteful jokes about them, all in good fun, of course. And uh, the problem is my younger fan base don't get the jokes because they've never heard of these old people. Ed Koch? Who's Ed Koch? Mayor of New York in the 70s? I wasn't born then, but that's all right. I was born then, and I get the jokes, and I, I amuse myself to no end. So...
0: Well, I I, I know who Ed Koch is. How am I doing? How
1: am I doing? (laughs) Exactly. I uh, (laughs) uh, believe that uh, when I was the uh, mayor, uh, I uh, was alive, but now um, I'm dead. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Ed Koch used to be uh, better, but (laughs) I haven't done that in a while. But that's my Ed Koch, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. So, yeah, (laughs) I do that, and that that, uh, gets the comedy writing uh, out of my uh, system, as time permits.
0: Oh you're a comedy writer. Like, um that's that's interesting. Like it's a because I'm trying to get into writing and I, I'm finding it to be a very difficult process. It's not easy, but someone's gotta do it.
1: Yeah, I used to do it professionally and then eventually when that when that fell apart I had uh lost the urge. But uh now once in a while someone dies and I got, you know, four, five or six one liners that I can uh bang out and that makes me happy.
0: And that's it. <laughs>
1: That is it. Cool. Go. <laughs> Any last words to the audience listening? Thanks for Four listening. Weeks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting all the stuff I do. If you want to see more stuff that I do, there's samples on my website because I'm I'm much more versatile than I get credit for, with all due respect.
0: Yeah. So check out Mike Pollock's stuff at it'samike dot com. That's is me.
1: That correct. Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, it's dot it's com. You can hear him in every Sonic game that's come out in the last. <sighs> Five years, I'm
1: guessing. Eight years, just about since 2005.
0: <laughs> eight, but who's Eight counting? years, eight years. There you go. And uh, that's it. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah, and uh, let you go. Cool. See ya. See ya.